This is Pastor Joseph Davis. Thank you for joining the radio ministry of Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. We believe the Word of God is the lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. This Word will bless you right now. Everybody say, a year for the books. Uh, you're your part four. I feel a shift coming after this, but I feel led to really teach on a year for the book, part four. And I started this subtopic, which is your perceptions means everything when it comes to prosperity. Your perception means everything. Your perception. So I've been dealing with perception uh, when it comes to prosperity. And um, I definitely have a different take on it today. So you don't have to hold tight because I got something to say for the Lord. All right. Um, understanding again, your perceptions mean everything. Your perception is the way you think. It's not the fact that you do think, it's the way in which you think. Or the way in which you relate to someone or something, it's the way you interpret things. Our five senses also has a great deal to do, a great deal to do with how we perceive things. Um, also our experiences, past experiences, feelings and thoughts all get involved with how you perceive a thing. Also begin to teach how it's important to have correct knowledge. Say correct knowledge. That's right. Because incorrect knowledge, wrong knowledge will also cause you to perceive things incorrectly. And so we got to know what the word of God says and we got to know what is true. This world really deals on giving out false information all the time. If you're not careful, you'll be on social media and they'll put up a flyer, they'll put up a graphic and they'll tell you somebody who's, somebody has passed and they're yet alive. And if you're not careful, people will get you emotional over false information. And you feel like your whole day is ruined because you felt like somebody has passed away who's yet alive. Uh, false information. And if you're not careful, you take everything you hear and you don't do fact checks. False information. We got to have correct information and correct knowledge so our minds can have what it needs to take. I want to start in Romans 12. I got quite a few verses here today. I believe God will help us uh, deliver this message that I have today. I got various thoughts God wants me to share today and I'm going to try to get them out. Romans 12 verses 1 through 3 is the first few verses I'll take. It's on the screen, but hopefully you have your Bibles. We've been pushing everyone to bring your hard copy Bibles to church as much as possible. Of course, if you don't take out your phone, let's use your app, all right? Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And here it is, I want you to underline a few words, and here it is, first word to underline, and be not conformed, conformed, underline conformed, conformed to this world. That means you change yourself to fit the world. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. So the difference is the con and the trans conformed when you fashion yourself to, to things or be ye transformed when something happens in the inside of you yes, sir. be transformed by the renewing of your mind 
This is how you get transformed, the renewing of your mind. I didn't really preach uh, last week, but if I threw out a thought to help you put together what I thought God was trying to say, last week I told you to fight for your mind. Tell your neighbor, say, fight for your mind. In that, uh, in that exaltation last week, I reminded you that your money is really not a problem. It's your mind told you your relationships are really not a problem it's your mind because if you can get your mind changed your mind upgraded your mind renewed your mind will be equipped to handle the money to go find the money to build up what you need to build up get what you need to get do what you need to do so you can have what God wants you to have you are transformed by the renewing of your mind and look what happened when you renew your mind I'm still in verse 2 that you may prove you can't prove until you renew you can sit here all day and try to prove who you really are but until that mind get changed the thing in which you perceive life out of until that mind gets changed you won't be able to prove but when the mind gets changed you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God it means your destiny is really on hold till your mind get changed your mind get changed there's this difference between conform and transform Uh, to behave in the manners of others especially as a result of social pressure that's called conform all right but the transformation is the thing that happens on the inside it's when God gets hold of your mind and your thoughts once when you are conformed you will become well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking whatever the culture says do you do it because you are conformed social pressures will make you give up on anything you're supposed to be doing and you go with with every wave now i believe in fashion but there's some fashions that don't even look good now at least that to me i know that's why i have to behold them but some things just don't even look good some things just don't even look good i ain't never thought putting having your pants way down look good Especially if you're committing a crime, it don't even make logical sense. If you're committing a crime and your pants all the way down, you can't even run. Don't even make any sense. At least to me. Uh, But this culture will try to drag you down to its level of immaturity. That's being conformed. But when you are transformed, you fix your attention on God. When you're transformed, you are changed again from the inside out. When you are transformed, you, are, you readily recognize what God wants from you. When you are transformed, you're able to recognize what God wants. You are able to quickly respond to it because your mind is ready. Here it is, a major point. A renewed mind is a ready mind. You will never be ready till your mind get renewed. But when the mind gets renewed... Everything else doesn't have to be together. Hear me clearly. When the mind gets renewed, you'll be ready to take on the the challenges that it takes to fix what you need to fix. Everything don't have to be well. But once the mind gets renewed, you say, come on, bring it, bring me, bring it to me. Let's go. Because I'm ready now. So a renewed mind is a ready mind. God wants us to have a renewed mind. When we have a renewed mind, we're able to withstand. This word withstand, when you look it up, it means to resist. Everybody say resist. When you look up resist in the Greek, 
it means antihistamine. Antihistamine. With sand and resist means that you now have the ability to fight what's coming against you. You know what it is when you have symptoms of a cold, running nose, you go get some medicine in. Part of what's in the medication is something called antihistamine effects. And what this thing does, it helps your body fight against what's coming against it. When you're able to withstand, it means with a renewed mind, you have strength to fight against anything trying to fight against you. You have the ability to stand up bold on your feet and say, I'm not living this way. I'm not going in this direction. It's the ability to decide what you're going to do. With a renewed mind, God can get the best out of you. And with a new, renewed mind, God will develop maturity in you. Let's read verse 3. It says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Still dealing with the mind. So God says, until you also get a renewed mind, you can't even see yourself right. You can't even see yourself right. Meaning, a renewed mind helps you calculate and take inventory of who you really are. And what you have right now. Now, I want to say this while I'm talking. What you have right now may not be what you have later. Because you can uh, grow. Tell somebody, I can continue to grow. Say, I can, I can continue to develop. But a renewed mind at least lets you have a real picture of who you are right now. When your mind's not renewed, you think you're somebody you are not. Oh, don't back up now. One of the challenges God has and never can get us, some people, to the right place where they need to be because they think they have something they do not. No, they think, and if you're not careful, people will make you beat to their drum and you don't even dance good. What I'm trying to say is you will find yourself trying to be something you're not called to be, you're not gifted to be, you don't have the, the skill set to be, and again, if you don't have it now, you can't develop it, but a blinded person will be trying to do something you are not skilled to do. He says, now, one of the dangers, now don't, don't, don't you just start thinking of yourself higher than you ought to think. But think soberly. Say, be sober. It means be clear-headed. The worst thing to do is to think you have more than you really have. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. As much as I love football and love sports, I'm tricking myself to think that one day I'm going to end up in the NFL. I am. See, 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 see. I am. Number one, I don't even want to dedicate my time that much to the vigor and the rigorous strength tank that it takes to even get in that type of shape. I'm not even willing to do it. I'm not willing. I said I'm not willing to do it. 
I said I'm not willing to do it. I'm not willing. Nothing wakes me up and say go lift five days a week. I don't mind working out. Don't get me wrong. But I don't want to work out to that degree. I don't want to be doing agilities all the time. I don't want to be doing strength and conditioning all the time. You see what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not up for that level of competition in that arena of life. Sometimes your life is on hold because you're trying to do something you're not called to do. I know, I know, I know it, I know it, I know it, I know it. And that's where people are disappointed. And that's where people, because people won't allow you to be sober. Once you start sobering up, you start recognizing what God called you to do. And then you proud being who you supposed to be versus being sad who you're not. I'm going to say this today. I've been thinking about the Holy Spirit been talking to me about an area of life. And this is not with everybody, but with some folks and some people. God wants to help you. And it's about the mind. God began to tell me that some forms of depression, not all, some, is due to arrogance. Because you feel you're too good to go through anything. You too, you feel that you so special, you can't be rejected. You feel that you so special, that something so special, this arrogance, because, because you don't feel I, I supposed to, no, no, you think that life is always going to be easy, or you think that everything's supposed to be handed to you, or you think everybody's supposed to treat you nice every day. It's wonderful if they do, but that's not how life goes all the time, and you got this facade, this imagery of how your life's supposed to be, and time you hit a bump in the road, you in depression because you're arrogant. What the Lord told me, and I said, for real, God said, uh huh. He says, because they thinking they too great to go through anything. They think they too great to go through suffering. They think everybody gonna be nice to them. So when a few people don't invite them out to lunch, they in depression. Arrogance. It's a pride. Don't you understand? You can be nice, and still some people still gonna be mean at you. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you can do what's right and still you can do get what's wrong. Come on. You can do what's right. You can you can be like Job. Live right. And yet your God have a conversation with your enemy and say, Have you not considered my servant Job? Come on, somebody. Because you can't come on now. You can't talk about I'll go with you all the way, Lord. And time the Lord send a little trial your way. You too arrogant to go through process. Oh, you won't believe me. I got more scripture. The prophet Elijah fought Jezebel, and then he walked around talking about God, you ain't got nobody but me. And I'm on the battlefield for the Lord. He said, I'm on the battlefield for the Lord. And nobody out here but me fighting Jezebel. And I'm, and I, and, and in other words, God, if you ain't have me, I don't know where your kingdom would be. If I wasn't pastoring this church, I don't know if this church would ever grow. If I wasn't the leader over such and such, oh, I'm coming now. If I, if I wasn't, if I, this is going off telling God that God, you ought to feel lucky you called me. He 
was sad and depressed but it was an arrogance and it was a pride God had to deal with him and the next thing you know God was like eat your journey is long and the next thing you know God was trying to tell him hey 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 the prophet came to him and said hey you gotta you gotta anoint some other folks that was the other key is right in that same scripture he said you gotta anoint some other folks so you can stop thinking you're the only one anointed so he started anointing other people he's writing that scripture and then he also said wait God got prophets in caves 3,000 God had the, had the nerve to number how many more prophets he had see you think you're the only one good on the block see you think you're the only one who can sing and the only one who can minister and the only one who can teach that's an arrogance and when you start saying I'm not the only one but I'm one of the good ones I'm not the only one but God still called me I'm a part of the greatness and we got too much arrogance and at times something happened they down in the pressure not in all situations but in some situations it's this pride that's taking people down into these dumps it's this pride I, I came out while I was talking here say get sober get sober in your mind see see don't think that you're so special you can't go through nothing see, that's why sometimes a trial will come and rock our house don't be snooting up your nose at nobody kids train up your kids right love your children but be careful that you don't start talking talking crazy because they are well-trained children with good parents know their mother and their father and some of them is out there on drugs so don't act like everybody who's on drugs didn't have no good daddy and didn't have no good mama don't you play around and start making your children feel that it could not happen to them if they don't keep themselves straight come on don't you raise your children with your blessing with your going on vacation self don't you raise no arrogant children to think they ought not to be grateful for what mama and daddy can do for them because everybody ain't got it this way and you ought to be thankful while I'm down that path and don't you dare children get no crazy attitude when the mother or father decide not to give you what you ask for You're not entitled to nothing. <laughs> Parents love these children. We love our children, but we got to make sure that we ain't raising up our kids to be some snotty-nosed child. Y'all, what I'm talking about, I ain't talking about you can't bless them. I'm not talking you can't take care of no children. Come on now. I'm not telling you to do something that I don't do. I take care, take care of mine. Come on now. Hallelujah. But I'm trying to tell you, be careful that you don't raise no kids who are not thankful. Think they're entitled to everything. And then when they can't get their way, they're the hardest per people to deal with. Hardest people to deal with because they didn't get their way. And, you know, now they want to tear up the house and sabotage things in the house. And, huh? You better be careful that you ain't raising no monsters now. Y'all hear what I'm trying to say? Some of y'all think parenting is a cute thing. It ain't about the wearing the latest shoes and the latest this. That's cute stuff. Parenting is a vigorous calling to make sure that you're bringing up a good person and doing your part. Come on, somebody. You got to raise some balanced humans in this day. Come on. You want them to have self-esteem, but don't be so arrogant that you do think you so better than everybody else. Because if it wasn't for the goodness of the Lord, come on, y'all. Arrogance. Lord, help me. Sober. It's clear 
king. God said, you can't go nowhere till your head gets straight. How you think gets straight. You won't never perceive nothing. Lord, help me. You'll miss everything. Let's go to 2 Kings. Y'all pray for me today. 2 Kings. I'm watch my time too. 2 Kings 4. This is where my main focus is. That was the intro. 2 Kings 4. As you know, I don't have to finish. I don't have to finish. You know, I could be driving on the highway and I could just decide if I see an exit and I like it, I'll just jump off. Amen. Come on, you ain't never been going on a vacation, going on a trip, and you decide you weren't going to just do it all in one time. You're going to pull over and find a hotel and pick it up in the morning. All right, I may do that today. I'll just maybe on a high 10 and just decide to get off on the next exit. Second Kings 4, 8 through 17. I want to show you this. Same principle I'm preaching and teaching, I want to show you it in application form. 2 Kings 4, 8 through 17. Y'all with me? And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunammai, where was a great woman. And she constrained him, urged skillfully to eat bread. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passed by us continually. I'm going to pause there for a little minute. This woman was known as a great woman. Saw this man and she perceived, everybody say perceived. perceived. She perceived that he's a holy man of God. Now she would already had noticed him coming through the town often and she would constrain when he come by, hey, have something to eat. She was showing hospitality. But now it really digests with her through a few frequent opportunities of seeing him that she said, hmm, I perceive this is a holy man of God. And I want you to see the comma which passes by us continually. I want you to notice something. Until you get your perception right, things going to keep passing you by. You're going to say, God bless me. God said, I've been sending blessings. God sent somebody to love me. I've been sending them. If you ain't careful, God send me a husband. Send me a wife. God been sending them. If you ain't careful, you may be missing certain things. Mm, maybe. Pass about us continually. Look at verse 10. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. Let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us, he shall turn in thither. Again, you miss things when your perception is not right. I got to teach here. So much hearing is loaded. But I want you to know when she perceives, first thing she perceives is that he's a holy man of God. A holy man of God. Now, this term man of God is only... I says man of God because he's a man well they're not using to say that only men could be a holy a holy man of God um, if it was a woman it would be a 
holy woman of God. We don't want a text to try to cause division because I think what's important here is we also perceive uh, through what she's telling us that she did not discern that he was a deacon <laughs> or an usher. She did not perceive that he was an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, a teacher. What I'm trying to tell you is, for the most part, when it comes to how people relate to you and how you treat people, nobody cares about your title. I'm going to say it again for those who are stuck on their titles. And an ordination, which I'm ordained as well, an ordination is not to cover up for what God has not done in your self-esteem. Because if you don't love yourself before you got ordained, we're going to have real problems after ordination. If you don't, and, and if you think that your name is apostle, we got a problem. If you think your name is prophet, we got a problem. If you think your name is evangelist, we got a problem. Because your name is not your title. So be careful those who do have titles and will have functioning because titles are for a purpose. So we're not throwing away titles. Give me, we're putting them in the right for place. We're not throwing away titles. All right, because titles help us understand function. We need titles, that's fine. But just remember, when somebody asks you your name, tell them your name. Can we settle that at least for this church? That if somebody asks you, do I need an illustration? Do I need to do an illustration? Somebody asks you, what's your name? Tell them what your name is. It's important because this is what's been happening in the church. The church has been only leading with its title. This woman didn't perceive a title. She perceived a nature. She perceived a nature. She says, I perceive that you are a holy man of God, which also means that this text in itself, when it talks about what she perceived, she's not perceiving somebody by title. Meaning this same phrase, man of God, could be woman of God, and it also means it can apply to each and every one of you. I got a question. What are people perceiving about us? What are people, before we tell them our title, before we dress up in a robe, before we look like we're in a, a specific function, what do people perceive about us? Through her dealings with him and conversations with him, she said, I perceive this is a holy man of God. I believe the body of Christ, we got to have a do-over. Because I don't understand how you get a title and you got Mina after you got a title. I just don't understand that. I don't understand how you got a title and you can't talk to nobody. You can't wave at nobody. These are basic stuff of humanity. Come on, somebody. I don't believe you got a title and because you're so anointed, you can't ever be touched. 
I mean, you're so special, you can't ever be touched. And I don't know what's wrong, but there are some people who are attracted to elitism. Can I talk about that? There are people who are attracted to elitism. They go to a church of a pastor they can't ever talk to. They got 15 members and five of the members are armor bearers. The devil is a lie. The, equ- the equilibrium of it don't even make sense. Y'all ain't saying nothing, but he appears to, or she appears to be important and people don't make it because nobody can be that way unless y'all make them that way. No, 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 They can't be that unless y'all make them that way. Fifteen members, five armor bearers, can't counsel nobody, won't call nobody back never, won't talk to nobody, no type of humility, but so specially anointed, can't be touched or nothing. Come on, the Bible says that Jesus was anointed, but the, re- the reason the woman with the issue of blood got her deliverance, because she was able to touch him. Who are you that you can't be touched? Arrogance, pride. We got to get back to the nature that people can perceive that you are a woman or a man of God. I said perceive. She said something different about him. Something different about her. Something says something different. Something different. Something different. Something different. There got to be something different about us. This woman says there's something different. He's a man, but he's a man of God. Uh-huh. Let's go to Psalms 24. I'm trying to move. Thank you. Something different. I already settled that the first, this calling to be different did not come just to men. It came to every person. It happens to be a man here, but the calling to be different of God is called came to everybody. The call to be made in the image of God in Genesis did not just come to Adam. He said, let us make man in our own image. And the Bible says, since I'm here, I might as well go all the way. The Bible says, and he called them what? Male. Now you can get caught up with this genderless society all you want to. I've said it again, ain't no being, being squirmish. God said, and I made them male and female. Now, you get caught up in this nebulous society if you want to. And it is true. What God does through love, let me teach the whole thing since I'm here. What God does through love is he creates the environment. Then he gives man and woman choice. Now, with your choice, you can choose who you want to be. But that don't mean God didn't already set it up who you should be. Because see, real love, I'm going to get there, I think, in a little bit. Real love give choices. Real love give choices. Real love give you the opportunity to choose what's right. Because if it's not love, it's control and manipulation. So God created this thing then it's for us to recognize and choose it. Another way we describe this male and female is called divine design. Now you can get caught up all you want to with evolution and the Big Bang Theory and I understand there are some things about this world that we can't explain. 
I'm with that. I don't, I'll tell you that right now. There are some things about this world and the God that is still mysterious. But I just know that there is no big bang that created something with divine design. There's no big bang that put things in order, fashioned things with purpose, connected a human being, gave it lungs, gave it a, a esophagus, gave it all its functionality. So it could, that's divine design. That's an architect that put things together, fashioned it. Come on. You think a big bang? Come on now. You think a big bang did that? It makes, to me, to me, now, to me, it makes more sense to believe than not believe ah. you ain't gay well, I said it just makes more sense to, be to believe you may not understand but it makes more sense to believe than to not believe now you know you can fight me we can talk about it over lunch divine design that God had a purpose for this thing y'all see what I'm trying to say Psalms 24 This call is to both male and female to be in the image of God. He said in Genesis, thank you, sir. I'm going to go back to Genesis. I'm going to Psalm 24. The brother's all preaching good. Genesis 2 establishes that he gave them dominion. Let me establish this because I've got to go somewhere with it. Um, he established he gave them dominion. In Genesis, when he gave them dominion, he did not give them dominion over each other. That's why racism and slavery is not of God. Because God never gave no one dominion over the other human being. He gave them dominion over the things he created. Fish of the sea, birds of the air. He didn't tell Adam, you got dominion over Eve. Now he explains it differently. I'm going to get that in a second. But he never gave, I'm going to get it in a second. But he never gave Adam dominion over Eve. Mm -mm. Psalm 24. Y'all gotta pray with me. I'm moving though. I'm moving. I'm moving. We, we making good time here. You know how it is on the road. You making good time. I don't know about most men, but I know when I get on the road, I know what time I want to get to where I gotta go. And if you if you don't have a strong bladder, don't drink nothing. Because we got somewhere we gotta be. And I already timed this thing. If I drive X and X miles per hour, what time are we going to get where we got to be? All right. But if you beg loud enough, I will pull over. Amen. <laughs> Psalms 24. Here it is. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, and the world, and they that dwell therein. Because say God owns all of it. Verse 2, for he hath founded upon the seas, established upon the floods. Then it says, who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? God's challenge out of the thing he's created, which we are created thing. We are the lands of the Lord, the lands of the Lord. One of the challenges is, will we ascend to the hill? That's the challenge. The hill of the Lord is the place of righteousness. We shall ascend. That's the challenge. Will you and I take on the challenge to be who God called us to be? That's the challenge. Tell somebody that's a challenge. Look at somebody say, dealing with my flesh is the challenge. Say, dealing with my thoughts is a challenge. 
Come on, I don't know about you. I'm saying it too. I'm a pastor. And because I became a pastor, I don't know. I got to take off my glasses on this because I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. All because I became a pastor don't mean I don't still fight temptations. And temptation is not a sin. I said temptation is not a sin. To give in to temptation is a sin. All right? And so if you ain't tempted, that means you ain't alive. You ought to be tempted with something. Not everything, but temptation is what happens that makes us choose God. Come on, somebody. In other words, I don't get a title and graduate from prayer. I don't get a, a, a title and graduate from prayer and consecration. I don't live for God for five years and graduate from reading the word. I need all of this to keep myself under control. See, I don't know what it... In other words, if I'm still fighting how to do it, I wonder how you still fighting. What I'm trying to say, how can you live outside of the word, outside of the presence, outside of... I don't know how you making it. That's all I'm trying to say. I mean, I don't know. I need to meet with some of y'all who ain't never fasted. I need to meet with you because I just want to know how you're making it. I'm doing all I can to be who God is. That's all I'm trying to say. It takes work and effort. Who shall take on God's challenge? Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Let me give you three things that it takes to ascend to the hill. Number one, it takes discipline. Say discipline. There's no way you're going to get up the hill of the Lord without any discipline. It takes discipline to get to the hill of the Lord. To get up the hill, the mountain, the place where God is pleased, it takes discipline. I don't come to make everything look easy. It's a challenge doing what God says do. Most of the time, I feel like obeying the Lord. I said most of the time, I feel like obeying the Lord. My heart is to do right by God. But there are some days where my flesh, see you all think you get saved and your flesh get saved. Your flesh will never get saved. You're going to always be in a human body and have to flesh off human things. Your flesh never gets saved. Come on. I have to put that flesh on the altar every day and sometimes multiple times a day. I get up in the morning, I put that flesh on the altar and by no time the flesh is still the flesh. You ain't got to say nothing. I know what I got. I don't know what you got. My flesh got to get on the altar all over again. It takes discipline to ascend to the hill. How did she perceive he was a holy man of God? I'm still in 2 Kings. I'm just cross-referencing. How did it perceive? This man was having discipline. You got to get some discipline. The other D, I'm not going to finish. I'm not going to finish. Not today. The other D is determination. Determination. Say determination. determination. Your life will become the sum product of what you don't give up on. Your life will become the sum product of what you don't give up on. Meaning it takes determination to be who you're going to be. Don't you know sometimes when you're climbing up that mountain, you slip and fall. Y'all want to make it like, y'all want to act like rock climbing is the easiest thing. You understand why people don't climb mountains? Number one, some of y'all are afraid of heights. God can't even take you up no higher. 
because you're so afraid that somebody gonna recognize you different and you so busy trying to be regular you so busy trying to be regular every time God God elevates you God take you up higher and you afraid of heights you afraid of height? I don't want nobody to see me like this. I don't want nobody. Everybody don't want to think. You get so nervous about living right. So nervous about living right. Every time God, yeah, you know, and sometimes, I don't know about you, but it's a good thing to testify that I don't do everything anymore. Why he's still proving me, but it's a good thing. Come on, sometimes people, they love to talk to me, you know, they, they, they you know, sometimes when people see me, you know, and they're like, they want to say, Pastor Joe, can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. Oh. Do you cuss? <laughs> you know, because they say, I, 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 I'm having problems. You know, it's another way. I'm having problems cussing. And you seem like, you know, I just want to know, do you cuss? <laughs> you know, people look at you like they want to listen to what you don't do. You know what I mean? They want to, what you do, what you don't do. And I'm like, no, I, I don't cuss. And, and, and I said, but if I'll be honest with you, I don't want you to think that cuss is not in me. I just don't let it out. See, that's the real battle of temptation. It's not that things don't cross my mind. It's not that I don't have feelings sometimes. But the real discipline of life is I don't let that monster out. I suppress that joker. Hush up, boy. Hush up. He be growling and trying to get out. Oh, you ain't like you ain't never been in no conversation with somebody and all kind of things coming through their mind. Some of y'all don't let a few slip, but some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You be thinking it, but you capture every imagination and every thought that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Come on, somebody. That's called discipline. It ain't the fact that I don't feel it. Do I feel it? Yeah, I feel it. But I said, you gonna hush up today. You ain't gonna mess up my life. You're gonna make me lose my family. You're gonna make me lose my reputation. It's called discipline. How I got back to discipline, I'm supposed to be on determination. She said, I was you a holy man of God because he had discipline. The other one is determination. Like I said, there are times you may slip, but if you're going to get there, you got to get up. Determination is the mindset that I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to keep on pressing. So I tell people all the time, I do not grab a mic and try to act like I have ever been anywhere. Now I had to come from among it. I had to stop certain things. Come on, somebody. But I can't act like I don't have no testimony. This is not a testimonialist pastor. And we need some saints with some testimonies. Matter of fact, you stay more in touch with your humanity when you tell your real testimony. I ain't talking about that fake show you put on on Friday night when they say do testimony, giving on to the Spirit of Christ. I've been with the Lord all day and God just, no, that cute stuff that you, I'm talking about that real testimony when you don't fail three times and last month I was a wreck and two years ago I was thinking about backsliding. I ain't talking about them testimonies that sound good. I'm talking about real stuff. Determination. You got it takes determination. You can't keep giving up on yourself. Can't keep giving up on God who's invested in you. It takes determination to be who God's called you to be. Can't keep quitting. 
determination. And my last point, I'm done for today. Third area, you become a man or woman of God. The other D is called deliverance. Deliverance. Discipline. Determine the other one is deliverance. It was one thing for God to send Moses and Moses led the people out of Egypt. But soon as they got out of Egypt and they was in a new land, Egypt was still in them. And the same mindset they had in Egypt, they had in every place, even when they got to the shores of Canaan, Egypt was still in them. Numbers 13, he tells them to go spot the land. And they don't have the right image of themselves because they need deliverance. He told them, go spot the land. One of my favorite stories. Tell them, go spot the land. They spot the land. And they are successful at spying the land. He said, spot the land. They're among giants. They go and cut down a cluster of grapes. They bring it back to the camp. They have a successful trip to spot the land. They come back, and out of the 12 leaders, only two stands up and say, we are well able. The rest of the 10 say, we can't do this. Why? Because Egypt was still in them. They were still little. They were still thinking like slaves. They were still thinking like a person in bondage. They was, they was out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. See, the only way you're going to get to the hill of the Lord, the only way you're going to get to the place of being holy and righteous, is there are certain things you got to be delivered from. Now, I told you temptation is general in nature, but when you are in something you can't stop, you need deliverance. As a human nature, anybody can be tempted, but when you're in something that it becomes a way of lifestyle, you need deliverance. And the only way you can get to the head of the Lord is that you need deliverance. Deliverance is when God, through his power, comes and change the inside of you, change your appetites, change your desires, change your drive, change all the things that drive you in the wrong direction. Deliverance. That's what he says in Psalms 24. I'm going to end right there. Who shall ascend? Let's go to verse 3. I'm going to end right here. I'm not even going to finish 2 Kings. It's okay. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who's going to take up God's challenge? Who's going to take it up? Who's going to? Who, who shall? Who? God has put out a challenge. Who's going to answer it? One of my favorite... Uh, Cosby show uh, one of the shows was when they did the dance and said challenge <laughs> yeah, 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 something like Cosby show what's that you know some generation or two ago you know. who gonna take up God's challenge who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord who's gonna be disciplined who's gonna have determination Who's willing to get delivered? Who's going to, it's a he that had clean hands. Clean, lift your hands. I'm done. I'm ending right there. Told you. Come on, lift them hands. Clean hands. It don't mean your hands ain't never been nowhere, but at this point of time, he has cleansed my hands. Come on. He that has clean hands and a pure heart. God bless you. If that blessed your soul, we will love for you at your next opportunity to join us in worship every Sunday morning in Monticello, the Victorious Church at 8 a.m. 
or our Dream Center location here in Tallahassee at 10 a.m. We would love to have you and your family, and we can't wait for you to join us at any of our locations. This is Pastor Joseph Davis. God bless you, and join us again.